Have you ever seen a really ugly guy walking around with a gorgeous woman and thought how? Well, scientists now claim they have the answer. It's pheromones. These two products have one common ingredient and it's the ingredient that boosts testosterone. So on its own, it will make you horny. Together, it will make you aggressive. So definitely do not wear both. This is the one that attracts women. This is the one that attracts men. Do not put too much, it can cause a fight. Do not do too little, because it might not stimulate. These are the rules. Good luck, ladies and gentlemen. gentlemen, gentlemen. After seeing the popularity of Ho Cosmetics TikTok videos on their pheromone sprays, we want to further investigate pheromones and pheromone products. So what are pheromones? Pheromones are a type of signal molecule. Signaling molecules are used by our bodies to transmit information in all kinds of different ways. In the case of pheromones, they are emitted by an individual and received by a second individual of the same species in which they cause a specific reaction. In this way, pheromones can transmit information between two animals and are essentially used as a form of communication in many species. The reactions they trigger can be a change in behavior or a modified developmental process. In mammals, pheromones are detected by a layer of tissue located past the nose in the nasal cavity called the olfactory epithelium. The effect of pheromones on the behavior of many insects and mammals has been well documented since their discovery in 1959. However, we're still unsure of the existence and impact of human pheromones. The commercialization of alleged sex pheromones has advanced much more quickly than the research itself, creating a lot of confusion for consumers. Despite this, there's still a substantial market for pheromone perfumes, and many products have a slew of positive reviews and people who swear by their effectiveness. Do these products actually work? Can you really buy a lure in a bottle? We'll discuss this and more in this episode of Stay of the Pod. I'm Mahalia. I'm Isa. And I'm Alice, and you're listening to State of the Pod. So, what does the science say? Biological and psychological experiments have been searching for an answer for years, but it is difficult to trust any conclusion. When a study finally seems to attain an intriguing and satisfying finding, ten more are conducted to knock it down. You may have even heard of many so-called scientifically proven pheromone facts yourself and wondered at their credibility. Let's address some of these questionable facts together now. The first pioneering study on the existence of human pheromones was published by Stern and McClintock in 1971. They reported that female human menstrual cycles synced up after they placed extracts of armpit secretions from women at different stages of their cycles on the upper lip of different women. After that, there have been three waves of interest and research that have expanded upon the idea of potential or putative human pheromones. First, with molecules called copulins in the 1970s. Second, with androstenone and androstenol in the 1980s-1990s. And third, from 1991, the steroid molecules androstadienone and estratetronol. It is worth noting that the basis of all the pheromone research up until recently has been focused on pheromones' role in sexual attraction between humans, dubbing them quote-unquote sex pheromones and setting the stage for an explosion in psychological studies that attempt to prove their effects. Have you ever paid attention to a man's response to women crying? Especially if you're in a heterosexual relationship yourself, what change of events usually ensues? This question has surprisingly been asked and tested by Noam Sobel, a cognitive neuroscientist who published his findings in science. 
In this investigation, women watched sad films and captured their tears in vials. Men were then asked to smell the contents of a vial, which were either salt water or women's tears. The participants were unaware what it was they were smelling. As a result, the men who smelled tears rather than salt water judged pictures of women's faces to be less sexually appealing and self-reported lower sexual arousal. In addition, these men had lower levels of testosterone in their saliva and showed lower activity in brain regions involved in sexual arousal, like the hypothalamus. Although pheromones are usually connected to heightened sexual arousal, Sobel's experiment was interpreted by many as the effects of pheromones in women's tears. Of course, there could have been many logistical issues in a study, and one experiment is insufficient to prove the existence of chemical signaling via crying, but these are still intriguing observations to consider. We can also address something that made it closer to home. What's that thing about your partner's clothes that make them smell so good? Is it their cologne, perfume, or body wash? Or is it some chemical secreted through their sweat, a strictly scientific, if not slightly unsettling explanation? Scientists tried to determine whether or not axillary secretions, or armpit sweat, contain sex pheromones that influence behavior. What about this? Do you think you could identify a person's gender based on the smell of their underarm sweat? It might sound strange, but in one study, a majority of subjects were successful at distinguishing between the genders based on the smell of sweaty shirts. However, it was unknown whether this was the result of pheromones or because men generally have stronger and less pleasant scents. Furthermore, based on the assumed sexual attraction aspect of pheromones, one would assume that straight women prefer male scents and vice versa. However, both men and women rated female odors as more pleasant, and when presented in equal volumes, auxiliary odors were not differentially pleasant to the participants. So maybe don't go ditching your deodorant in pursuit of love just yet. While no scientists have yet confirmed the existence of human sex pheromones, there are two such proposed molecules. Androsodionone, or AND, is present in male sweat and semen, and estrotetranol, or EST, is present in women's urine. In 2017, scientists attempted to prove that AND is a valid sex pheromone, if not oversimplified. Their experiment focused on effects on brain function using data from fMRI scanning sessions. Results showed that AND odor causes quicker cortical responses than chemically similar compounds. Additionally, smelling AND altered hypothalamic activity involved in sexual orientation and attraction, and increased blood flow to brain regions for social and emotional processing. However, there is more research that combats their findings. In one experiment, participants were given five gender-neutral facial morphs and asked to indicate its gender. Exposure to AND and EST had no effect on their answers. In a second experiment, heterosexual participants rated photographs of opposite-sex faces for attractiveness and probable sexual unfaithfulness. Again, AND and EST had no effect on the ratings. The scientists that conducted these two experiments determined that neither proposed pheromone had credibility. As you may begin to realize, barely any pheromone findings remain uncontended for long. We dove into this seemingly confusing matter and found something rather interesting. The literature on AND and EST starts with a 1991 paper by Monty Block and Grosser and a conference proceeding sponsored by the Aerox Corporation, which was patenting the two molecules as putative human pheromones. However, no information was given in the Monty Block and Grosser paper, nor in any patents, about how these molecules were found and shown to be pheromones. We do not even know which parts of the body the original samples came from. 
It's rather strange to have scientific literature show no experimental procedure for its discovery. It's also worth noting that the Arox Corporation used this study to sell new perfumes containing these putative human pheromones. But if no research was actually shown, how do we know whether or not AND and EST are actually real human pheromones? In all of academia, reproducibility, or the ability of study results to be replicated by other researchers, is a vital part of ensuring that scientists aren't cutting corners when it comes to making scientific claims. It's a way of double-checking that a study's results are consistent. However, the topic of putative human pheromones has fallen victim to what is known as the reproducibility crisis. A growing number of research labs around the world are failing to replicate each other's findings in favor of instead using the new findings to develop their own slightly different project. All the while, companies continue to fund this kind of research and market their pheromone products under the guise of being scientifically proven. It took until after 2015 for researchers to realize this and try to replicate the original findings. Until then, most of the research had simply assumed that AND and EST were proven human pheromones and built upon its supposed effects with mainly psychological research. Still, studies continued to be published in support of these supposed pheromones, despite growing research showing evident flaws in their methodology. So, how can we resolve this debate? Firstly, there are limitations to how we can test the effects of potential pheromones on humans. Developmental, cultural, and socioeconomic factors can affect a person's response to different chemical signals and make a declaration of cause and effect difficult to substantiate. Because of this, developing an effective experiment through which to test potential pheromones becomes increasingly complicated, but recent studies have proposed ideas that will hopefully lead to some insight into the question of whether humans have pheromones. With so many differing opinions, all seemingly backed up by facts and solid evidence, it is difficult to believe one over the other and establish a universally accepted truth. However, depending on your own experiences and resulting inclinations, you can take the aforementioned information and construct your own judgment. After reading so many research papers about this topic, we decided to make our own extremely official and proper experiment. Well, not really, but we did the best we could without funding or a laboratory. We bought our very own bottle of Habitué Provocateur, and I personally wore it for a week to see if just maybe this pheromone thing might have some truth in it after all. I wore the pheromone perfume with my regular one as the instructions asked, and walked around campus as usual. From classes to dining halls, libraries, and dorm buildings, there were plenty of places for the pheromones to do their magic. Sorry to disappoint, trust me, I'm disappointed too, but nothing was really that different. However, if you're still looking for that faint glimmer of hope to hold on to, I'll give it to you. One guy I had never seen before came up to me in the dining hall and asked for my number, something that definitely doesn't happen to me every week. So I'll leave you with that to ponder on. So do human pheromones exist? Most likely. We know for certain that humans do produce chemicals that act as pheromones in other species. Androstenone, for example, though commonly isolated from pigs, is also present in human sweat and urine. And the prevalence of pheromone production in mammals closely related to us gives us good reason to assume we produce our own unique ones as well. We may have pheromones, but it doesn't necessarily mean they have the effects on sexual attraction that perfume companies and some research suggest. Can a couple spritz of the right gigolo juice make you irresistible? Most likely no. Current research is only just beginning to define what human pheromones are, let alone their effects. 
But there's hope for the future of human pheromone research and, perhaps eventually, utilization. In place of studying sexual attraction in adults, many scientists have instead begun to focus on infants. Because they lack the cultural bias we previously mentioned, which posed a problem for pheromone studies in adults, and their behavior is simpler and thus easier to observe, they're good research subjects for learning more about the world of human chemical signaling. This has been the State of the Pod. Thanks for joining us in our exploration of cosmetic pheromones. Your hosts are Issa Chioka, Alice Lidman, and me, Mahalia Donaldson. Thank you to the Millstein Program and the Investigative Biology Lab for our recording equipment and software. See you next time!